When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Miami Nice, the podcast that's about the 2006 movie Miami Vice. I am Katie Walsh, I'm a film critic, and I'm here with my partner in uh, undercover uh, escapades, Blake Howard, a podcast impresario. If you are hearing a uh, ice cream truck that happens every single day outside my door at this time. Eleven <laughs> seventeen on a Saturday 11, night. Eleven seventeen on a Saturday. We are getting some popsicles, and we have an amazing guest. I'm so excited for our guest today. She is an entertainment writer for Thrillist, one of my favorite Twitter follows, exhibiting extremely impish behavior. Very funny. <laughs> Uh, film Twitter imp and delightful person Emma Stefanski is here. Welcome, Emma. Welcome. Hi. Emma. I'm so excited to be a film Twitter imp. I love that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Katie, your energy the- is sort of pan-like. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I think that the little purple goblin face on like the emojis <laughs> is like one of my most used all the time. I, I will just send it to people sometimes. And they'll be like, Emma, what are you doing? <laughs> Something bad. <laughs> yes. Being a little squiggle worm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're so excited you're here to talk to us about the movie. And um, I would love for you to just, I had noticed your letterboxed review of Miami Vice, which is why I sent you the uh, DM to come on the show. And it was something about uh, telling your cat to like, you know, pay attention every time Colin Farrell's on screen. (laughs) Yeah, well, I really wanted him to see like a model of like what he should be in his life. And like, that's sort of why that's, I want my cat to measure up. Live, drunk. Um, huh? uh, mustached uh, good at uh, salsa uh, dancing good at right. dancing yeah yeah, yeah he's yep. a role model he really is a role model for the young people in our lives but aside from wanting your cat to exhibit sunny crockett like qualities <laughs> tell us a little bit about like when did you first see this movie and what was it what was your initial reaction like what was your what first struck you about this movie well, I first saw it, that that very letterbox review was my first ever watch of this movie. I had like always, you know, meant to, because I've seen most of Michael Mann's other ones and, uh, I, you know, obviously I really like them. And um, so Miami Vice was always sort of on my radar and I'd seen the show and I knew that it was sort of not like the show. Actually, speaking of the show, I just want to point out oh, that I am wearing- Oh, look at that. Amazing. That. A, screenshot, <laughs> a screenshot of Emma's credentials in, in, <laughs> yes. is, is coming to Twitter very soon uh, for that absolutely boss original <laughs> Miami Vice TV show t-shirt that she is rocking right now for the show. We love that. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you for your commitment. You are committing. I, yeah. I, I put it out like last night on the chair. I was like, I can't forget to wear this. <laughs> even though this is over Zoom, even though it's a podcast, <laughs> not a visual medium. 
Um, but yeah, but I'd never seen it until I watched it. Um, when was that? This year? Last year? I don't know. The years are in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all one. Um, and I was going through sort of a, I don't know, lonely, horny phase of my life. <laughs> and, are we all? I mean, we all? right? <laughs> The, um, I think and instead of the roaring 20s, the beginning of the 20, 2020s are the snoring 20s because everyone is just lonely <laughs> and bored and depressed and and potentially horny and a perfect movie time for Miami Vice viewing. It's yeah. so true. And Colin Farrell's been like one of my guys forever. Like I, I saw him, I remember watching like um, Minority Report and just going like, who is Ooh. this person? Yeah. Who's that? Uh, so I'd always meant to meant to watch it, and I was going through something uh, at that time. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna watch Miami Vice. And I'd actually talked to um, to David Sims, our our friend, uh, fellow podcast guy, and he loves that this movie. And he kept like telling me like, you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And that night, I was sort of like, I kind of I'm in the mood for it. And he's like, do it, do it right now. Right now. Text text me while you do it. <laughs> Uh, and so I did, and it was so, and he had, he had told me before that it's like really weird. And I didn't really know what he meant. I was like, sure, I've seen like weird movies before. I, I think I get it. And I definitely was not prepared for, <laughs> for what it is. Uh, it is indeed really weird, but I really liked it. Um, and it did, it, it stayed in my brain. You know, it, it has stayed in my brain ever since then. I still think about it sometimes. I was just watching uh, it earlier and uh, just looking at it is just so perplexing, but I can't, I just can't take my eyes off it. I love to give people um, prescriptions for whatever movie watching mood they're in because people will say, oh, well, you know, oh, tell me what movie to watch. And one year I did Valentine's Day prescriptions. I was like, give me your Valentine's Day mood and I'll like give you a prescription. But I just think I, it has just occurred to me that like, if someone's like, I'm lonely and horny, mm -hmm. this is absolutely the perfect <laughs> balm. And it's both of those things. I thought that um, it was like a crime, like movie, like a cop movie. And it really isn't like, it's, it's a romance movie that it has some other stuff in it. But like the, the thing that you come for and the thing that really, that stays with you, at least in my case, is the, the romantic stuff, which is just so, so good. So steamy. I want to I, I want to tag quickly back on what Emma said. Firstly, Colin Farrell in Minority Report completely underrated, outstanding, oh like putting yourself He's on so their map performance because he. You have to credit one guy, the uh, original um, pants man that is Joel Schumacher, who allegedly had ten to twenty thousand uh, lays in his life. May he rest in peace, and he deserved it because he did some work while he was alive, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but he cast. Colin Farrell in Tigerland and then phone booth. And so yeah. he was like massive, like he was like literally shooting up in the rocket ship about to hit sort of stratospheric um, levels. And I just remember also that time of seeing Colin Farrell and I still watch that movie and I go, this guy doesn't realize or maybe Spielberg just had him perfectly calibrated to go, I need you to look at Tom Cruise like he's nothing. Mm -hmm. And that energy has served him well in almost every part of his career in that he's never the wallflower or pales in significance or machismo or like just, I don't know whether it's like stature or posture against any other big, huge movie star. And that movie benefits so much from their 
clash and him not giving a single shit about Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise getting to actually play off of someone who feels formidable. I, I love that in his role in that movie so much. You really do get the sense, like this like dual sense of who the hell is this guy? Cause like the character himself is that sort of guy who comes yes. in, he's like this horrible, like you know, tech goblin, <laughs> rich kid with suspenders on talking at Tom Cruise like like how dare you and in your mind like back then you know 2003 or whenever it was you're like who is this per like how how can this how actor dare come he? in <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know who that is Tom Cruise and it's so perfect and I was thinking about that uh tonight as well it's just like he can't be normal like even in a normal movie he's weird like even in this movie where he's playing he's just playing a cop but he has to have this hair and this mustache and these like shirts, the shirts. I do want to talk about the shirts. Okay, good. We never <laughs> covered the good. shirts. Oh, okay, that's awesome. it. I just found the title of the thing. episode. <laughs> I do want to talk about the shirts with Emma Savatsky. That is happening. Mm -hmm. Please go on. Amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, he can't, he can't be normal. Uh, and I think that's one of his greatest strength. Like he's one of those actors who's like, he's got that like weird guy trapped in a hot guy, yeah. like thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> like Jake Gyllenhaal is the same way. Like he's really weird, but he, you think that he's just this boring, like hot dude, but no, there's like layers to him. Yeah. And I think Colin has the same thing going on, which is awesome. It's really nice that there's like this corridor of people who started to arrive late 90s, early 2000s who have uh, sometimes been dismissed, but we've been able to like reappreciate and reappraise how good their weird choices are. Like I one person, especially now, you know, kind of like drawing the Venn diagram of how all these people intersect is like Matthew Lillard recently, people talking about him and Scream with the new Scream movie coming up and being like, every fucking choice that guy makes in that movie is just 10 out of 10 Oh, absolutely, perfection. Yeah. Like that movie has no right to be that good. It's a 12 out of 10 movie. Scream 2 even is like an 11 out of 10 sequel. The rest of them questionable. But Matthew Lillard, the weirdness, like leaning into every choice, like my mom and dad are gonna be so mad. <laughs> like that's, I'm just like this guy and like when those characters go weird and even Jake, as you said, Emma, I love him in Prisoners. One of my favorite, I mean, obviously Zodiac Chronicle, Zodiac and his amazing mm -hmm. performances, Robert Graysmith maybe one of my favorite performances ever but him in prisoners the weird blinking the choices the affectations the haircut like yeah. everything it's very it's got a lot of sunny crockett miami vice energy about every little weird choice i need to make to make this guy just higher like you know just higher than everyone else in the room at every single time yeah absolutely no that's that's exactly i mean that's what movies like this i think kind of need to is this guy that you can't really pin down yes. and yeah that's that's what happens here i think as well i didn't realize blake until just now that that we have my boy joel to thank for mm -hmm. the colin farrell ascendance i yes. love he's joel you. schumacher i'm oh, obsessed he's, with he's joel your, schumacher he's your guy dude he's, he's my guy, guy. and yeah. i'm like finally in my late thirties, like admitting it. <laughs> no, not that I'm not admitting it, but like, you know, it's like, he was so looked down on for so long, but yeah, I, I, I watched phone booth last year when, when Joel Schumacher died, I did a whole like Joel marathon and, um, God, that movie's silly and great and perfect and like 89 minutes and 
Chef's kiss. <laughs> and the the Joel Schumacher's of the world, you know, to take to allow a brief digression to praise the great pants man that is Joel Schumacher. Um, <laughs> but the lot you could get the Lost Boys to be directed by twenty. This is my 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 test. You could get the Lost Boys just get ten minutes of the script directed by five, you know, five different totally. directors, and I guarantee you they would mostly be just rote garbage. But when Joel Schumacher directs it, it's outstanding it, it <laughs> and, in, and in the best way possible it may be one of the gayest mainstream film texts <laughs> yes. that has ever existed and, and he has great taste in men ex- like exquisite thank you. <laughs> taste in men exquisite right and so yeah no the, i i think the lost boys you know that's that's the best resume uh like depiction of someone's talent in a resume like this script right. is pretty much crap and the, the character conceptions are crap. It's all about the casting. It's all about his mood. It's all about yeah. the tone and how he, he balances that. And I think that Miami Vice has that too in spades where like yes. you could totally get the script and go, someone go shoot this movie. And it would just be terrible. Like some mm. terrible, crappy episode of TV. Whereas this is like a movie, a real weird and great and horny movie. <laughs> yes. Um, well, just one quick little button on the Joel of it all, and then we can move on. It's just, I, I hosted a screening of Flatliners, mm. and his first AD came. He was brought by his kids, and he said, Joel always said, no one ever paid $5 for under the top. So <laughs> that, I, I just, that is my, like, my, I want to get it tattooed or something. It's like, no one ever paid five bucks for under the top. So that's what he was going for. Just giving you as much as possible. Um, and, and it's interesting because I do think he has an eye for casting those kind of like hot, weird, hot weirdos as, uh, as Colin Farrell is easily categorized. I'm glad that the culture has come around on Joel, honestly. I think we yeah. needed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally, totally. We should talk about the shirts. We should. If we can, if we can talk, segue into the shirts. Let's, let's from, from Schumacher to shirts, it only <laughs> yes. makes sense. I do, like, the thing about it is that, like, I, I do think that 2000s male fashion was a really dark time. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it, it was nothing looked good. It just all was just sort of like, okay, I guess you're wearing sh- a shirt and pants, but you're going to have to convince me. <laughs> there's too many embellishments right and it's, but 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 everything in this just works really well and I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things of like the weird like off-putting digital cinematography stuff is kind of perfect for a movie made in 2006 where people spend a lot of time talking on their flip phones mm. and wearing clothes that like I really really hope never ever ever come back but the I'm shirts just, that these people wear go I'm, go ahead I, I was just remembering you just brought back like a traumatic flashback i was gonna say life. i was like blake can you share some photos with us oh my god I'm gonna, the shirts, to, blake. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to go back it's like what i was thinking is how much can my shirt up top can i look like conor mcgregor but down low <laughs> look like mel gibson from with weapon like just shit, just shit jeans <laughs> Bad choice of shoes down below and extremely yeah. flagrant, overly patterned excess up the top and think- bad hair, sometimes with frosted tips. Don't judge me. Actually, please judge me. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it was all bad. Emma is spot on. It was all bad. 
It's exactly what they wear. And I think it's probably, you know, it's, it, it's like if no one's paying attention to like the pants and shoes that you're wearing. Cause like you're in dark clubs. Right. Yes. And you're just, you're all like sweat. You're listening to gold frap and sh- weird <laughs> music. No one's paying really any attention to anything in the early. No one is going to look below the belt. It's just like, it's got to be, we don't want to look at anything. We can't look down. We're just going to walk through this mess of people like a shark and just get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it interesting though. Cause I think like Colin's wearing a lot of like Cuban inspired clothing. Like he's wearing some guayaberas. He's got some linen flowy pants, you know, he's not zigging where the other guys are. Right. And I think the, I think the one that always stands out to me is the, like the turquoise one that he wears. He walks out of the kitchen in that like big, they're all, they're all big, but there's yeah. like one like teal shirt that he's on. And I just think of like, I, I can't, I can't stop thinking about how comfortable that must be <laughs> just to like be hanging out. Like the, if I was ever like a, like a drug you know, cop looking for that. I would want to be posted in Miami because you get to wear the nice clothes and you get to like sort of chill all the time. Yes. yes. People's ridiculous houses on the beach. Yeah. You like your job is like you have to go on someone's yacht and oh, like no. learn some intel. You know? <laughs> oh, what? I have yeah. to fly this really cool plane like over this gorgeous like series of waterfalls. Wow. Meanwhile, Jamie Foxx is like, no, hell no, I'm not doing it. I'm terrified. Stop doing this to me, Michael Mann. I'd rather be stuck in a cab with Tom can I be a Can I be a cab nerd again, Michael, please? <laughs> I just want to be a cab nerd. Um, this is, you know, I'm just going to throw it out into the universe. Like if there's ever a time that I'm allowed out of this country and back into America and America is not warring with itself or other countries in a way that I we can make no promises. We can. And again, we'll make no promises, (laughs) but man, I'd really like some oversized comfy shirts and a photo shoot with some of the guests on this show really would just (laughs) make my dream come true for us all to be standing just like that shot of all the characters in, in uh, Nicholas's apartment. I'm just like, that's maybe that's the dream. Really, that's the, that's as, that's as big as I did yeah. a dream. The Linen Nicholas, pants for all. Linen pants for all of us. Yeah, a Miami Vice shirt party for your <laughs> <laughs> return. And the, what were you going to say about Nicholas? Uh, the Nicholas apartment shot that all of that in there was it's so bizarre to mm. look at that stuff. And I know that you guys have probably talked about the cinematography before, but it honestly, I was thinking about like, what does this movie look like? And I genuinely can't come up with any sort of comparison because it's just, it doesn't look like anything. But <laughs> all of that stuff kind of looks like, they look like like a TikTok house. Like they look like yes. you, YouTubers in yeah. like weird clothes, just sitting on like white leather furniture and yelling at each other. This is a totally. wrinkle. We, this is a wrinkle we haven't explored. Maybe we need to get this clip and cut it and put it on TikTok because it's probably the bat signal. They have all watched Miami Vice 2006 and gone, "That's the life I want to live." This is it. Well, but it, it also all those like TikTok houses to me look like they they not that I'm like observing a lot of TikTok houses, but it's okay. They all are very anonymous looking. Like I just walked in and it was already equipped with this white leather couch and this random stuff. Like, like no one's put any person, there's no family photos up. There's no, uh, you know, personal touches. There's no house plants. It's like 
he Nicholas like just like walked into that place like two weeks ago and rented it and that's just the stuff that came with the place that's what I that's the yeah, sense that, that I get that's the that's the house dressing you hear about this in contemporary times you know when people are selling their house they hire you know people have got money they hire people to dress their house for photos yeah, to, like, for the real stage estate it, yeah they stage it or you know dress it for a walkthrough which is just I don't know I might just be a poor person but that's <laughs> lunacy to me but anyway but uh i would just say that nicholas's house feels like that but what's funny is in that moment where they're all dressed in like kind of vibrant colors and they're all like an eclectic you know they're all beautiful and they're all kind of like fit and they kind of feel all of them out of place and yeah. i always wonder i and i love that shot i'm like who could actually live here but nicholas is so like he just comes in he throws all the takeout because it's just takeout like whatever he's gonna buy like rubbish in his kitchen and there's that one moment where they get the confirmation that they are going to go to Euro and he's like on the phone, he's like, you know, you're good to go. They'll give you a call. And you see him alone in the apartment and there's something about Eddie Marzen in that moment. Where I'm like, actually Nicholas does kind of suit this trashy apartment <laughs> to perfection. Like yes. just the weird loungewear that he's wearing and the way he's draping himself on this white couch that doesn't look like it is comfortable at all. But the way he's he's kind of found a way to be comfortable on it, I'm like, man, he that is him. That apartment is him. He is this complete, vacuous, everything showy yeah. Yeah. kind of guy. And when everyone else is in there, that's I think you're spot on, Emmett. Like you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a real place that people could be. He, he feels he as a character feels like a person devoid of personal taste. Yeah. Like, especially with the comment, the guy is like, do you ever clean? Like, do you ever put anything away? I think he says, <laughs> and there's just like cups, like linings, the, the countertops and everything. But yeah, he absolutely just feels like a complete like blank. And that's, that's what he does. He's so, he's so good. He's only in that movie for a few minutes, but it's always funny. We're obsessed with him. We're obsessed <laughs> okay. with that performance. Oh my God. Um, it's so yeah, memorable. And- but it I think also I texted feels- when I was texting Sims through it. I think I texted him in all caps, Eddie Marsden with like <laughs> exclamation points. And, and then he's doing that act. Oh man. The I accent we touched, we touched down upon it's it early beautiful. on in this podcast, because to me, I think it is foghorn leghorn that he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Mann on the commentary says it is an authentic Cajun accent. And I'm like, no, it can come I'm back sorry. On me. It can come back on me, baby. <laughs> I'm like that is an authentic foghorn leghorn <laughs> accent um but I just love that scene I love Eddie Marzen I want like a one act play like set in that scene <laughs> just them like oh roasting him and like threatening to beat him up I mean I, I think that'd be great a Nicholas movie Miami Vice yes. 2 Nicholas <sighs> Nicholas's Nicholas revenge <laughs> this is this this is the like the ultimate tragedy you know I think the other day on Twitter and this will be a marker for folks listening to know when we're recording. Someone put up that like, put two pictures up to make a movie, right? And so yes, you know, to make like an under- pitch a movie, pitch a movie <laughs> in two pictures. And there were some fantastic ones that came out. One of my personal favorites, uh, our friend of the show, Bilga Ibiri, put up Daniel Day Lewis and a picture of the cover of Moby Dick. I'm like, mm. right, that's that's mm-hmm. a great one. Um, and Brandon Stracing, a friend of the show, was like everyone else can stop because this wins but someone did put up a picture of colin and jamie and then just this big neon two and i was like i was like yeah like that's actually the other answer that i'm okay with and the the shame of it is that 
Um, I would love to see like Eddie Marzan, like he's kind of over a barrel in this scene. And you just know that if there was a two and it was like, there was additional fallout or there was somewhere else in the country, you can just see Eddie Marzan being so mad at them because like they would have had to move him or, or like they tried to kill me, baby. You know, like you just know, <laughs> but you can just imagine a scene where he's like helping facilitate some kind of setup or give them some information. And he has to rip into them about the previous movie. And I'm like, please lord could we just do that like no more of these really gross people um doing robin williams uh acting um on 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 youtube just more of eddie mars and pretending that he's in a miami vice sequel yes <laughs> please i yeah. i second that i think this needs to happen i would watch yeah. that i watched just if they said yeah we're doing two and eddie will be in it like yep sold yeah yes. I, so I will produce in- this yeah i have no <laughs> money <laughs> and I'll find it some way. I think a sequel would be really fun to, I think it would be great to see Sunny like sober and clean up, cleaned up like <laughs> as Colin is now and sort of trying to live his life that way. And then maybe, you know, Tubbs and Trudy are a little bit more domesticated. I mean, it would be really interesting. And then to bring everyone back. Um, and I was just going to say that uh, I know there was a screening of Collateral and um, Thief at Beyond Fest, I think, mm-hmm. last week, and I did not get tickets to it. Um, and I was, I've never been more jealous, but someone <laughs> tweeted that everybody in the Q&A was just standing up and telling Michael Mann, Miami Vice's masterpiece, and he was like very confused. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? And it was like right after Bilga's piece had come out, so I think it was just like on the brain. And so everyone was like asking him questions, being like, "Hey, uh, Miami Vice is a masterpiece," and also, you know, asking the question. He was just like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about?" But now maybe like the gears will start turning. Yeah, we have to to inception him into making a sequel. Oh my God. Yeah, and and look, uh, I don't like this idea. (laughs) No, I don't like this idea, just just, just what I'm going to say, but HBO Max has now given Michael Mann money to executive produce and direct the first episode of this Tokyo Vice series, the Uh adaption from the book. And I'm just like, I don't like a director HBO Max thing, but if HBO Max has some money and people want to look at some guy who is amazing to direct a show with big stars who have done prestige television, maybe it's time. Like that whole gang, I'm sure they'd like some HBO Max money. That whole crew could get back together and do it. And I would, I, I genuinely think there's something to be said about um, them having to be reassigned to do something else for their own protection for a chunk of time and then being able to come back because it's like, because then it's good. A good oh, yeah, of time yeah, yeah. is good because it's like, you guys scorched the earth with Montoya. Like, we mm-hmm, can't put mm-hmm. you back undercover. We couldn't mm. put you back undercover for a decade, but now we can. And it's like, yeah, baby, let's go. Like, let's <laughs> let's do a HBO Max series, right? Like, you know, so anyway, that's the inception. Wow, Please. we've just pitch this whole thing i mean we should just put it right into development i've never done a kickstarter for anything but i would do it for this <laughs> like let's do, let's and and i'm gonna try and get eddie marzan on the phone right now let's get eddie marzan because <laughs> if we can film eddie marzan doing a nicholas impression for five minutes i mean is he on cameo is eddie marzan oh on cameo? he is on twitter he's rather spicy on twitter uh which is, is he really <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not spicy, but he like replies to people a lot. He's got a fun Twitter presence. 
Um, That's good. I, like I highly that. recommend him. He's an imp. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love I, love, I stand Eddie Marzen. And like, that's what I love about this movie is like, it's one of those casts where you're just like, oh my God, Justin Theroux, who like barely says anything this entire yeah. movie. Um, he just sort of looks, obviously looks, looks yeah. pop-ish. Like he just, he just sort of stands there and sort of like, he does his like eyebrow thing that he does and like holds pistols and, and that's all he needs to do. It's, it's Justin Theroux and Dominic, Dominic Lombardozzi are literally like, I need people who look like cops. <laughs> yeah and they've just completely cast from i need people to look like cops and also like we can't have we can't have two guys like we can't just directly cast out of the wire but we'll get one guy from the wire and we'll get and we'll, we'll get justin Theroux, who kind of looks like a cop um <laughs> in this movie uh which is which is just brilliant but no it's that's that's the i don't know the kind of like eccentric greatness of this movie is so much about the eclectic a bunch of supporting roles, especially the ones that come in for kind of thankless two seconds or whatever, like John Hawks icon, like that scene. Amazing. Marzen, like two scenes. Amazing. Um, you know, Jose becomes like a huge character in it, but like those, those bits that you get these huge performers that usually are stars in their own movies to come in for like three seconds. I think that's a Michael Mann magic and big director, you know, commanding magic where you can just get someone to cameo for like, Cause they want to work with that director again for a day, you know, like yeah. it's, it's so unusual to get like, again, in the language of this podcast productions, like Xander Berkeley coming in for Ralph in heat is such a flex, like for, a, <laughs> for like 10 seconds to be yelled at by Al Pacino and then leave. And he was the villain in LA takedown. He was Wayne Guerrero <laughs> and he comes in to be Ralph yeah. in the movie, you know, like that's, that's so good. That's just totally. as good as it gets. It really, it makes you kind of sit up in your, in your seat a little bit and at yes. like the perfect time. So like he really deploys these actors yes. at the right point where you're just like, oh, okay, wait, hold on. I was going to go get a drink, but now I can't because <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep watching this. Yeah. He does it in collateral too. Like that's such mm -hmm. a deep cast. And um, I mean, all of his movies have such deep, amazing casts. I who's, also that, who's in collateral in the cab at the beginning? Is it Debbie Mazer? I think it's Debbie Mayer yes, having yes, an argument. Yes, yes, she's in it for like a minute. She's having an argument with her boyfriend in the back of the cab. And I'm like, Debbie Mayer was like in <laughs> The Insider and was amazing. Like she's part of Lowell Bergman's whole 60 Minutes crew. She's an amazing actor in her right. And she's literally in for 30 seconds. And and, and, and it prompts Jamie Foxx's like nerdy driver to like pull Max to pull down his visor and look at uh, look at his like picture of the island to sort of travel yeah, away. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because they're arguing about, about something. Yeah. Yeah, so great. What else is a, a is it about Miami Vice that sort of struck you? Like, what were you? What else were you texting Sims? <laughs> oh gosh, what was I texting Sims? I mean, the the fact that it's so um, it's sort of off putting and alienating to look at, mm. and but I don't like it, the 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 filming techniques that he uses, and I'm I guess probably the camera that he's using. Um, and the fact that he's like doing it, a lot of it is handheld, makes this like weird um, blur effect happen. Whenever the camera really moves around, tries to like follow a few things at once. And you just sort of, you kind of jerk back and you don't really like to look at that. But, and yet <laughs> it's still uh, really, really fun to watch because you're always sort of like, you're put off balance by the very first second of it. And you're just sort of, you're kind of constantly trying to claw your way back into like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm with this movie now. And then it does something else weird. And you're just like, okay, wait, I have to, 
do all that work yet again, um, which sounds not fun, but it is, you know, actually a very interesting way of watching a movie that I've never actually felt before or since. Um, so that's I, pretty cool. I, I love you talk about that because it is like destabilizing, right? To uh -huh. consistently consistently be trying to stay focused on what they're looking at. Like you feel like also um, it's quite intuitive with like a character looks and is doing something off screen and then we catch up every time. And so mm -hmm. it does have that feeling you're kind of being pulled along and you're just like always one half second behind. And that is, yeah, that I love what you said there because it is, that's something that is just in the fo the formal quality of the movie where it's just like, I just want to be a half step behind everything that they're doing to keep the audience like in their control. Cause we're obviously following them, but also a little bit have that air of unpredictability on it almost as you're, as you're going through it. I think that that's a, that's a really great formal choice. Yeah. It's another way that it like holds your attention too, because you're sort of, you're like, I I've never, seen anything like this i don't know it's not teaching me how to watch it like a lot of other movies will do and yes. it's also not something that i'm used to watching so i don't really know what's going to happen next i can't get into that comfort zone yes where i'm like okay i'm come I, I get it sure i'll just sort of let it wash over me like that's never possible with this movie and i really appreciate that especially now that like you know i'm one of those people who's cursed with like a very short attention span just because there's all kinds of stuff happening all the time and um <laughs> that's a very euphemistic way of putting it, but <laughs> <laughs> there's just all this stuff happening all the time. Um, but you know, like I'll watch a movie at home and I'll be looking at my phone sometimes. I really can't do it with this movie, which I think is a, is a huge strength of it is just like, it really demands your attention. And it also doesn't really reward you for that either because you're constantly <laughs> like, you can't relax into it. Yeah. And I think like some of the crime plot does that too, in terms mm -hmm. of like kind of moving along and you, you sort of have to catch up, you know, the John Hawk scene happens and you're like, wait, who is this guy? Oh, he's their informant. And you're like behind, behind, behind trying to catch up as they're having these conversations. Um, and, and I love that you're also that sort of sensation is also being reflected in the like alien beauty or whatever of like the, the digital photography and, yeah, you think about how they're shooting entirely at night and it's like are are they are these cameras capturing too much light or not enough light like it's not a perfect crisp image but it's a, it's putting you in that state that they are in you know maybe trying to play catch up or um these like weird almost lo-fi surveillance cameras or something it gives it that that sense of that of the place that they're in it feels like you're watching footage kind of cobbled together from a bunch of different perspectives. Yes. Like the, that weird grainy texture is never the same shot to shot. Like it's all, you're like, you're like, you're watching like a dash cam and then you're watching like <laughs> someone's flip phone, bit like horrible quality. Bit, and then you're watching like some night vision goggle thing. Like it's all weird, but I think it completely works as well. Like in a really un, unexpected and unpredictable way. In recently, uh, No Sudden Moves, Soderbergh's um, uh, really terrific 
you know, twisty crime film that came to HBO Max. He he was using this special sort of fisheye lens camera, and I think that that was that's a that was one recently that kind of it actually did teach you. Now I was sort of reflecting on like it did teach you how to watch it because it had sort of these stable shots at the beginning where it had this kind of weird fisheye lens that kind of opened up the space of the room in a way that you kind of potentially weren't expecting, and every space had this sort of quality. Um, and then it starts to move, and on the edges of the frame, it's like it it, it takes this almost like aquarium quality where like it all racks and it goes a bit weird and you're like oh what wait this is moving what the hell but it maintains focus in the center and i love how you said like miami vice does not take does not care that you haven't learned how to watch it at any point it's like all right here's the universal logo hard cut hard cut hard cut like it's, <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't give a shit and so that's i think also that's probably one of those things um it's almost like they say when you especially when you maybe renting an apartment or whatever. It's like, you should not try and, you know, buy all the same matching furniture because you're matching it to an apartment that maybe you don't own or you don't, you know, whatever. So it's like the better to have eclectic taste. And I feel like that Michael Mann has like got that in his formal, formal taste. It's like, all right, it doesn't matter all these textures, all these weird ISOs to get the color right in all these different environments. I'm just going to play with it and we're going to see how it goes. And that's it. Yeah. And I think um, in, uh, in Bilga Berry's really, really great piece, uh, for Vulture about this movie, he quoted Mann saying, uh, there's, a, there's a quote from him where he was explaining like why it looks the way that it does. And uh, I think, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about like, um, he compared it to when we started using steel beams to make buildings. And what we were doing was we were basically just making bigger versions of what we already had, even though we could really right. do whatever we wanted. And there wasn't like, we were sticking to some formula where it wasn't really necessary. And he was comparing that to like digital filming filmography and saying like there, you know, it doesn't have to look like everything else needs to look. Yes. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to look similar to what you've already seen. Like we're, we're here with this totally new technology of making a movie. It can look as weird as you want it to look because you can use this thing in ways that you couldn't use this other thing. Yeah, I appreciated him saying that um, and making that analogy. Like, we have the new technology; we can do the 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 possibilities are are endless. And and I think that's always been the case with cinema and and video and any time any sort of technology in terms of cinema. It's like we can do whatever we want. So we don't have to film a stage play because that's theater. Yeah. What if we cut and edit and change the time and go a little bit closer to something. And, and that's like the essence of cinema. And I think that transitioning from 35 millimeter film cameras to digital, it's like, he's really playing with, and it sounds like, so I haven't seen no sudden move, but it sounds like, you know, and I, I know Soderbergh is another one who's constantly playing with form and maybe it's off-putting or alien or doesn't look the way we expect a movie to look. And, 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 but maybe it's like a, there are new possibilities and there are, there are, you know, this digital photography in Miami Vice, like not only creates a, a sense of like what their story is, which is all about sort of surveillance and maybe a flip phone or like a little hidden camera or something. And then also this sort of like nightmarish world that they're living in. There's this deep sense of like paranoia that you feel throughout the entire movie, just simply by looking at it. Yeah. that I think mm -hmm. 
really is like <laughs> the perfect way to film a story like this where like everything that's happening is really weird like even the the happy like nice stuff is there's you know there's always there's like an expiration date to that or something horrible could happen to one of these people um there's always like the threat of 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 danger or of people spying on people like people knowing too much about people it's the perfect like segue from <laughs> into like a digital uh surveillance age that i think was like honestly very prescient yeah. yes yes yeah so the the one thing i really like about soderbergh recently and he's probably changed a little bit more with my uh uh along his journey as a filmmaker because so much you know he's he's a cinematographer under a pseudonym and all that sort of stuff as well because he's basically the the every man at all of his uh crews but um he's like he's kind of retroactively gone back to this quality i read a great piece where he was like if you if you do something different than a standard two shot when the movie doesn't need something different than a standard two shot like you kind of have to convey to me why you're doing something different because otherwise you're kind of muddying up storytelling trying to be overly inventive and it doesn't need it like the story it really has to complement the story and i think that i think we're all in agreement that like if you're dealing with like these guys who are on one night dealing with prostitutes like just a guy who's running prostitutes and then like two weeks later are dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars of international like like drug and weapon and potentially human trafficking on a scale that is exponentially larger than anyone thought as opposed to just like a white power gang in miami um i i think that the stakes should be like heightened paranoia like consistently acting with all this bluster and confidence like this is one line we haven't talked about but emma reminded me it's like when colin uh colin as sunny says to rico what does what does it feel like everyone knows who we are 10 blocks out and rico says yeah because everyone knows who we are 10 blocks out <laughs> it's like that's the whole that's this movie's essence why does everyone know what's happening <laughs> 10 blocks out because they do like we're we're actually catching up and the kind of i love the i don't know the the kind of bluster to, for them to still act so confidently in every scene even though that is completely what they're aware of is just so cool like i just i can't get enough of that in this movie but that it's, confidence is like what keeps them alive yes yeah. yes yes you're spot on yeah. It's the it's the complete opposite of like James Bond who tells everyone that he's James Bond within <laughs> 5 seconds of meeting them. <laughs> yeah. These guys uh, can't do that. <laughs> I'm Sonny Crockett. I mean Bennett. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might have watched a TV show uh, <laughs> that I was in. I do not have a crocodile on my boat. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, so did you watch all the TV show? Like, how did you watch? The, how did you get into the show? I haven't seen all of it. I, oh. I watched a lot of it in college because I had like it, my freshman hall had this really eclectic mix of people. You know how they sometimes like they'll assign you based on like, I don't know, they'll see like what you like and they'll kind of put you with people. My hall was just, it was like where they put the people that they couldn't figure out where <laughs> else to put them. Just a bizarre group. And there was one guy who was like really into it and he had uh, Miami Vice Nights. Nice. Go to his room. A man after our own heart. What a <laughs> legend. It was so good. And I was always sort of like, and that was when I was like really way pickier about what I what I watched um, movies and TV wise than I have now. Now I'll just watch whatever. 
uh and i was like i don't know i've never really been into like cop shows and he was like no no it's not it's not what you think it's different um and it and he was right it was really it's just like yeah there's never gonna be a show like that ever again i just really love it that's hilarious that there's like a <laughs> 18 year old freshman being like, I'm having Miami Vice nights. <laughs> and I had I my love- first mojito in that room. Oh, that's you made amazing. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh my goodness. What a- <laughs> and what's so hilarious, he's he was acting like Crockett and Tubbs, like extreme <laughs> confidence at 18. Emma, this is like no show you've ever seen before. <laughs> Like full on confident. He's like, that's as did you get your tan in Miami as anyone's yes. energy could be. Exactly. This is not like this is not like any show you've seen before. What a legend. Hey, shout out to that guy. Whoever that guy is. I hope you listen to this show because we're your friends. We have And we're... I hope he watched the movie. I'm curious yeah. what his thoughts are on the movie. Yeah, I'd never I wasn't really I, I didn't think to ask him. Maybe I should No, it's okay. I'll yeah. try to find him again and see. Yeah, him. shoot him yeah. a Facebook message yeah. for us. Miami Vice, <laughs> 2006 nights. <laughs> you know, so you just yeah. watched it. So, oh, very good. That's our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 what this show is. That's what this show is. Yeah. Um. So, Emma, I, I have to ask because you you know you're um, you're across so much different stuff since you've watched. Miami Vice the first time and other than the ramp up and uh, uh, the ramp up for this have you been inclined to go back and watch man stuff again or watch Miami Vice again because I think that that's something that we're finding with some of the the sort of in 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 these podcast confessionals is that people like watch Miami Vice once and then they're like I need to like throw that on pretty regularly even if it's just a white noise in my house while I'm doing other things like have you found yourself going back to it I did. I I did. I rewatched it today. Um, I've rewatched it since I think at least once, if not if not twice. It's on like I think it's on Stars or something like that. So it's like yeah. easy. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to just sort of throw it on. Um, and I do find that it really lends itself to rewatch really well because there's always it's sort of like the Lord of the Rings movies in that like there's always something you missed before yes. that you can like appreciate this time around. And I think today, what was I paying attention to? Maybe today was the day that I finally figured out what was going on with the plot because I definitely didn't, <laughs> yes. I didn't follow that the first time. Um, but I, I think today I was watching like eye contact, like characters looking at each other and sharing thoughts, um, which is something that I really appreciate in in film, especially when uh, you can kind of have actors do that and have that be a little bit of dialogue, even if they're not saying anything. Mm. And um, Colin Farrell and Gong Lee do that a few times, like on the boat when they look at each other and you just like, I can't, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You're feeling the heat come off the TV. Uh, And then he and Jamie Foxx- That scene is like opening an oven door. Like you just go, whoa, like you don't realize how hot you've got a roast in the oven and you're like open and you're like, God, it nearly takes your eyebrows off that scene. It's just insane. When she's like, when she's like, I'm a businesswoman. And then he like revs the boat engine and like, (laughs) it's so funny. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I think one thing that I love on rewatch is like um, everybody's line readings and then, and being like, oh yeah, I love the way he says 
this or that, or like a lot of John Ortiz's line readings are really great. Or, and that's what I think is makes Scream so rewatchable to me. Call back to Matthew Lillard is mm-hmm. like all of whether it's especially Matthew Lillard, but le- whether it's like uh, Skeet Ulrich or um, Jamie Kennedy, like all those line readings, Rose McGowan, like I, it's just like you're you re you get that hit again of of little pleasure, and and I find that with Miami Vice too. I just love all the different performances and, and yeah. And like the eye contact and you're just going, Oh my God, like that moment where they see each other and, um, you, you know, just like enjoying it again and knowing that it's coming and, and also being happily surprised by things that you didn't pick up the first time. And, and the dialogue is so weird too, because like yeah. when they're, when they're initially flirting with each other, she goes, she's asked him, she's like, how fast does the boat go? And he goes, it goes very fast. And that's the flirt. <laughs> I know. It's bizarre, but it's the, so good. Yeah. The first time I saw this movie, I was like totally like laughing my ass off at the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Blake. No, I was just gonna, I was just gonna no, I was just gonna say just to 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 do the final connection between Scream and, and Miami Vice is that like everyone, um, any of you film Twitter bros out there want to be Colin Farrell in this movie, but so many of them, thanks to Kevin Williamson, like defining what it is, the worst film bro boyfriends. <laughs> You're all Skeet Ulrich. I'm sorry, guys. You're all Billy Lemus. You're all that creep who like, who's like, oh, I know it sucks your mom died, but like, let's have sex. Like that's all of you uh, that I'm seeing online. Uh, hey, at least, at least Kate is hot, you know? Yeah, I they mean, can look, have that. look, you can have that. You can have the hotness. No, they're all Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> no, I love Jamie Kennedy. I love Jamie Kennedy. He's, no, he's, he's a sweetie pie. <laughs> well, try to be Jamie Kennedy. Try to be more be- Jamie Kennedy yeah. than Billy Loomis. Can we agree on that? Um, yeah. yeah. No, but that's what's so funny is I, and again, like on paper, if you're reviewing the script and you're like, this is a, you know, may, maybe the description is this is, you know, uh, and for folks who've never actually read a script, it's actually sometimes fun to see what screenwriters explain. Some some screenwriters are very uh, stark in their scripts. They kind of like let the script talk for itself and the characterizations or the mood or the tone really comes out in the dialogue. So there's not a lot of explanation, but other screenwriters, depending on their style, are very specific about the music beats that are playing, what's happening between the characters at that moment. And I'd really love, and I might try and get my hands on it, is like, what is the, what's written around that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would love to see because I I feel like Michael Mann's an intuitive enough filmmaker to be like, this is the scene that's like dripping with sex appeal and it has nothing written there. Like, you know what I mean? Like it goes very fast. And like Colin Farrell, like just going, like especially the way he sort of tilts his head down, looks up goes very fast and you're like (laughs) i still can't believe he asked her on a date there yeah here's your drugs let's go on a date and also i'm going (laughs) to cuba what is going on um yeah it's it's brilliant like again so much of this movie what you say on paper is not what is there like it's 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 almost like when people are reading text messages and you're like what is the tone the tone is absent and I think you, there is a reading to this movie that if you're not like driving with it, that you're all you're getting is like that text. You're like this text is dumb. And you're like, but actually, <laughs> yeah. And all the people who love it, it's like, yeah, so it, it, for, for any other movie, 
It is, but it's so much more important to show the filmmaking chops. That it is not a play. It's not, you know, it's not a book. It's not a, you know, it's not like a script that needs to necessarily be held up. It is totally a fusion of all those other things that make movies great that mm. actually makes it work. It's so far from like live, something live that as you yes. could possibly get, I think is yes. like the, it's, it's not even, the film itself isn't even substantial. Like it's completely, it's bits and bytes on a computer. Yes. Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I have to say, because I was going to save this for another episode, but I really, I really want to do it now. I, we've, we've been getting, thanks to that wonderful uh, Bill Gabiri article, we've been getting some wonderful correspondence from people recently <laughs> um, uh, about the show. And because it was shirt related, I was wondering if I could read this uh, correspondence out with Emma here indeed. So this is from a German listener, Thomas. And he wrote, big fan of Miami Vice, just discovered Miami Nice. And he's like, I've, he's like, I've heard the online and heard and read about the online rumors in Florida. And he's like, but the final scene with Crockett entering the hotel, he says, he's not wearing the striped black and gray shirt that he's wearing in a previous scene. He's wearing a black jacket, which lends him to think that he's actually, it's another scene that they cut to make it the ending of the movie that wasn't part of the original concept because of what had happened. And he sent me the German trailer as evidence that that's maybe <laughs> the case. So I will definitely post that up on socials on one minute pods yeah. on, at OHM pods. I'm going to tag Emma, Katie and I in it just so you can see it because <laughs> it is German dubbed and this trailer is mwah, chef's kiss. It is beautiful. Um, and it does have some extra scene. It does have some scenes from the director's cut in there, like the Trudy flower scene is part of the trailer. So if you guys maybe just his two cents, maybe it's been observed, but I just wanted to say thank you to Tomas uh, for, for listening uh, to the show. Number one and two pointing out that he's, very keen observations of the shirts, Emma, um, was actually what tipped his hat. <laughs> and I was like, maybe this is just that one thing that I would love to check out and uh, and hear your opinion on. Some some good, uh, maybe for the next watch for all three of us. Yeah, we we'll have to do like a shirt list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are, what are the shirts? <laughs> Release the shirts cut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, was, I honestly am dying to see the German German dub trailer for this oh movie. God. What yes. would this know, movie same. be like in German? It would oh be god, even weirder. I know. And I speak German, so I can say that. Oh my god. I'm weird cinema. This is the icon of weird cinema. <laughs> I I'm I normally we would normally we would wrap this up. But what I'm going to do really quickly, because I want to hear Emma's reactions to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep recording and I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to play it for us to watch it together. Cause okay. I, I'm so excited for you both to see it. Just give me one second and I'm going to get this ready to share. Incredible. All right, guys, live on Miami nice is the German 2006 dubbed trailer. Here we go. One second. Uh, Everyone, cue it up. Cue it up yeah. right now. Cue, 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 cue it up. Watch it, it along. It will be. It will be in. It will be in the list. Um, it will be in the list. Just sharing the screen right now. Just making sure that this we're sharing the sound, sharing computer sound. Okay. Oh, oh my, my goodness! I'm gonna watch your faces while we watch this together. <laughs> Maybe take a couple of screenshots. Here we go. Verdeckte Ermittler brauchen einen Hang zur Aggression und Gesetzesuntreue. Wollen wir? Wir wollen. Das FBI wird weder erfahren, was meine Jungs tun, noch wie sie es tun. Locker. Ganz locker. 
This is so weird. <laughs> Wait, who is doing comments twice? <laughs> Good trailer. Yeah. It's hot really well. Yeah. Look, they're standing up in the boat in that car. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Not sure about the casting. The Colin voice actor is very interesting. He's in Zoma. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is the best trailer I've ever seen. It's a really good trailer. <laughs> yes, limo scene. Fire. So good. They also have the boat race. They've got the this boat is... race. Trudy is holding a <laughs> shotgun in an apartment. They're standing up in the boat. We're seeing the flower <laughs> scene from the director's cut. It is a fire trailer. Like, it is, is a badass trailer. It's a really good trailer. I, the Colin voice really threw me, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so better good. than most trailers I've seen, honestly. Is honestly. The... Okay. Wow. So we'll, well, look, that, that was... <laughs> maybe one of my favorite three minute segments that we've ever done on this show <laughs> looking at emma and katie's face watch that i was so distracted i was so torn i'm watching the trailer and i'm watching their faces and it was just the best thing in my whole life so i think maybe that's the time for us to sign up emma um as a huge fan of yours it's such a pleasure a to meet you b it's been so fun to read your stuff and listen to you on uh, we've talked about sims and the blankies so it's been so great you're amazing this was so much fun katie holy shit your stalking of letterbox for miami nice a miami vice reviews <laughs> has paid off yes it tenfold. has this is um, an amazing thank you so much for being part of uh, of miami nice it's been a treat to talk to you Oh my Thanks, God, this Emma. was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was really cool. And I was, I'm just, I love to talk about this movie. So this was really fun. Oh, the awesome. best. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. 
Partial to pastrami. Craving a Cubano? Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact... Every bite is better with Pepsi.